0: Welcome to the Support Ops Podcast. I'm your host Chase Clements. This is a show devoted entirely to bringing some humanity back to the world of customer support. You can find us on the web at supportops.co and on Twitter where we are at supportops. Special thanks to this week's sponsor, Papertrail. Papertrail helps detect, resolve, and avoid infrastructure problems using log messages. All of your logs are in one place that's instantly searchable. It's a system admin's dream come true. Check them out at supportops.co forward slash sponsor hyphen sponsor. Paper Trail. This is episode number sixteen with Evan Hamilton as our guest. Evan is the head of community for User Voice, as well as working his magic over at UserConf. He also helps out with the support community at User Centered. So if you haven't checked that one out, I'll make sure to put a link in the show notes for it. So thanks for being on the show. Uh, to get things started, let's uh, tell us a little bit about
1: yourself. I was a theater major. <laughs> um, I think as anyone who's who's awesome in this industry. Uh, is I have a very strange background. Um, but yeah, I, I I was a theater major in college with a focus on lighting design. Um, kind of thought that was what I was going to end up doing. Uh, turns out it's hard to find theater jobs. And I sort of, (laughs) I stumbled into this contract job revamping this startup's MySpace page.
0: MySpace. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Wow. It gives
1: you a sense of, of, of timing. Uh, And uh, I knew how to do that because I had a band and every band had a MySpace page at the time. Um, So I did that for a little bit and they sort of said, oh, come in two days a week. We got some other stuff for you. Come in three days a week. We'll have you do some user testing. And then their community manager quit. And this company, uh, which will, I I suppose, remain unnamed to protect the guilty, uh, looked at me and thought, "Well, he seems okay at this and we can probably lowball him. So, hey, do you want to be our community manager? Um, and I said, yes, and I'm really glad I did. Um, I, I think working with communities is something that I've always been passionate about. Um, I was a, a part of, uh, uh, a map making group. I led a map making group for a video game in uh, high school and, uh, you know, always sort of the guy organizing the, the event, the movie night, whatever. And it's just been an amazing experience discovering, um, that you can get paid to make people happy and bring them together and, and, you know, solve their problems.
0: It's the coolest thing in the world, right? Yeah. Well, outside of like maybe space, because space is kind of cool.
1: Sp- space is pretty cool. I, maybe like community manager for NASA. That's like the, the ultimate. <laughs> that that would be like your dream job right there? It would be pretty It'd be awesome. up there,
0: Up there, you know, maybe not the dream job, but up there.
1: I think I'd feel bad because someone who actually paid attention in science class would be really mad at me that I got that job. So, that's
0: true. That that's true. So, uh, the big thing I wanted to get you on the show to to talk about, kind of from the head of community perspective, what what it what a community manager role looks like, what what it feels like, what your typical day is, and 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 that kind of thing. So, can you kind of walk us through? Um, basically what your role is with user voice and how you interact with your community there and just kind of, like I mentioned, like a typical day
1: for you. Not sure there is such a thing, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it's interesting. Um, there's a lot of debate right now, uh, which you probably don't know if you're not a community manager, but, uh, about what the community management role is. Um, many companies you'll go there and they'll say, oh yeah, that's the guy who does our Twitter. And while I think uh, Twitter is a really powerful tool, uh, I don't think anyone uh, is going to get very far being the guy who does the Twitter, you know, or the guy who does the email. Probably not very far. And um, I, I really see it as a, a, a department, a discipline, a, a focus on keeping customers happy. And, and and that sounds warm and fuzzy, but really retaining customers by providing value for them. Um, and I think that can be done in a lot of ways. Um I would argue that customer service, customer support is part of that, um, which we can come back to later. Uh, But there's also things like throwing events, um, creating great content for your community so they feel like, oh, this is not just a tool I'm using or or a site I visit, but somewhere that actually wants to help me succeed. You know, Just doing nice things for your customers, listening to their feedback, bringing that to the product team. There's a lot that can go into making your customers love you instead of just making them use your product which you know marketing and sales are very important things and i i don't mean to diss them in any way but they are getting people to use your product that doesn't keep people using your product it doesn't get them to spread the word about it it doesn't get them to you know stick with you even if you guys have an outage and that's where the community department comes in
0: so marketing would be more of let's let's reach out to customers that don't know about us that are, are looking for a product, that kind of thing. And then the community department would kind of take over after they've done their job. They, the customer signed up for the app and, and are, if not trying you, I mean, if not paying you, at least trying you, that kind of thing. And, and that's kind of where you're you step in.
1: Yeah, and I think there's always a lot of crossover. There's plenty of marketers who do sort of retention marketing, um, but I think it's important to have someone in your organization who runs a department solely focused on making sure the customer's happy. And sometimes that's going to clash with other departments, and that's fine. That's that's the way it should work. You know, you should have people who are all trying to do a great job in their role and have to work with each other and, and find a middle ground. And so I think you know. In my mind, in ten years, there will absolutely be heads of community at all of the major companies.
0: So, when we talk about kind of this this customer department, community department, however we want to phrase it, um, user voice you mentioned earlier has split out kind of customer support, customer service from your role. So, why why did y'all kind of separate those out? Because uh, I, I get that they're kind of like the two like two sides of the same coin. Um, I guess if you could just kind of talk about why user voice split that out and kind of made them separate
1: yeah I mean I, it, I kind of regret it and I kind of don't um, I don't regret it because our head of support Ted Choper, is awesome and he's doing an amazing job and so that's great um, at the time the community department was only myself and we had no support employees and I wanted to make it very clear that although customer support is incredibly important, you can't be both community manager and customer support. You can do some customer support, but you can't lead that department. You know that that is a, that is a whole discipline, and it takes a lot of work. Um, and so I, we all wanted customer support to be a huge focus, and so we decided to hire this head of support. Um, and like I said, Ted's done a great job. At the time, it it was really important for me to draw that separation so that I didn't end up just doing support all day, which is important, but (laughs) not doing anything else. Um, And looking back on it now, I think really I I would have pushed harder to have support be part of a community department because they are so interlinked. I mean, Ted and I work very closely together, and and thankfully we work together great, but there's so much crossover there that... I think generally it makes sense to have support be part of the community department. And I think there's also, uh, that helps define what that department is. Um, I know a lot of different support teams are under different departments. Sometimes they're under product, which sort of makes sense, um, but product is really focused on the product, so you end up getting a support department that's more like bug focused um, and more you know feature focused instead of focusing on the empathy aspect making customers happy. Sometimes it's under marketing, which just doesn't make any sense to me because marketing and support can easily be at odds. Um, So I think it's nice to have this place where support and community live together in one department and again, are focused on the happy customer.
0: Yeah, and that kind of tends to be the theme that runs through user voice as a whole. And I guess it's the voice coming out of there that that y'all have done a great job with, with making sure it's loud and clear that, you know, I. I guess it kind of sums up there's a poster uh, I saw, a a picture of a poster in your office that basically said, you know, don't be a dick to your customers, (laughs) which sounds so simple and so easy, and it's a duh thing, but some people just don't get it for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, and and we chose that language, uh, the poster is have empathy and don't be a dick. And, And we chose that intentionally instead of, you know, the sort of generic, be good to thy customer. Because it's an easy thing to say and to do when times are good, but the moment that something bad happens, you're inclined to say, "Well, they'll, they'll deal with it. The customers will be fine. We don't want to risk the business at all." And that's when you need to say, "No, no, no! Don't be a dick! Like, <laughs> wake up! You, you, you were falling into that territory here." And you know, it, it, it's hard for me too. We, um, we had a. I hope I don't get this wrong because that would be bad. Um, but we had a vulnerability in our platform, and you know we discussed it, and we were like, "Oh, I mean, nothing happened as far as we know, but it was there." And should we really talk about it? it Makes us look really bad. And you know, we all looked at the posters that say "Don't be a dick" and "Build trust through transparency," which are both on our wall, and said, "Okay, we we have to tell people." And that was really painful, our decision. But because we, you know, actively stated those company values, I think that's why it happened.
0: So when this when this happened, and you kind of put it out there for the rest of the customers to know about, what was the their reception? Did they just kind of roast you over a fire pit? Or just did it reinforce that trust that that you were talking about?
1: As it almost always does, it it reinforced that trust. Um, You know, people, were really happy that we told them um, they appreciated the detail we went into you know we didn't get incredibly granular, but we we mentioned what kind of vulnerability it was and what we knew about whether it had been uh, used by anyone and you know people don't expect that um, some someday people will expect that I hope from companies, and then we'll have to try even harder, but right now you know. People are actively expecting companies to screw them over and lie to them, and so if you tell the truth and try to make them happy, you're going to go real far.
0: So when it when it kind of comes to sharing what your customers are saying, whether it be that kind of a situation or just even like what customers are thinking about your your app and and, and your product how like what's your approach with that do you just kind of throw it all at the the product team and say here or do like does you and the, the support head talk about it and then present it to the company or, or kind of kind of walk me through how you share the customer's voice with the rest of the company
1: it's a, a good question um I mean, the in terms of customer feedback, you know, feature requests—that's um, obviously a big one for us. Um, I guess I, I should have mentioned. Now, now I'm in trouble with our head of marketing. Uh, <laughs> U- UserVoice makes uh, customer service and customer feedback tools, and so one of those tools uh, you've probably seen one on the web. It's a little feedback tab on the side of a website, yep. takes you to a forum where you can suggest ideas and vote for ideas, and so that's that's one of our main channels for collecting these ideas, um, but also iterating them. So we will take an idea that seems interesting, has a good number of votes, and we'll ask people, okay, great. We're, we're looking into this. Tell us why you want this. Tell us your story. And stories are something that's very important to us. Uh, our CEO, Richard White, says, you, know, you always have to bring a story. If you don't have a story, I'm not going to listen to your suggestion. And that's really important because it helps fill in the blanks. And also sometimes clarify an idea that <laughs> I, I have this saying that there's no bad ideas, just bad solutions for real problems. Um, you know, Customers come to you and they say, hey, your widget's orange, I want it to be blue. And you go, what? we're not making it blue, orange is the color that we use. But if you ask them why, say, okay, maybe that's not a dumb question, maybe they have a reason. Why do you want it to be blue? And they say, oh, well, my website's orange, so your, your widget disappears when I'm embedded on my website. Well, suddenly you have a real problem, which is contrast, which you can then solve in any number of ways. So that's our first step, is is finding that story and that pain point. And it's important because it helps you solve it, right? But it's also important because product teams don't really like it when you come to them and say, build this. Um, They do like it when you say, hey, here's a problem. Can you guys solve it? You know, that's what they're paid to do. That's what they're good at. That's what, you know, gets them up in the morning. So once we have that idea uh, that's clarified, we have the story, we, we think it's valuable, you know, we've heard it enough or people are upset enough that we think it needs to be uh, brought to the team, we have a uh, basically twice monthly feedback meeting, which I highly recommend. Um, it, and it's not going to be perfect at first. Ours is still not perfect. Um, but what we do is we, we sit down with uh, the entire customer team, which we define as community customer support and sales because they talk to customers a lot. And the product team, so usually our uh, product manager, you know, head of design, head of engineering, sometimes the CEO, and we go through these ideas. We try and limit how many we bring, so I think right now it's every team member can bring two ideas. Um, because it would be easy, you know. there's always more ideas, you could talk for hours and hours, and at the end of that everyone's just gonna hate each other. So we bring a finite number of ideas, we go through them, product team often ask questions, sometimes they sort of send them back into information gathering mode. So I, I understand that they want this widget to be this color, but you know, what else? You know, why, why isn't the outline working for them? Or you know, where are they embedding it? More information is needed. But if the product team understands the idea and they see the reason in it, it goes into the upcoming feature request queue. From there, the uh, customer team leads, so the head of support, head of sales, and myself, go through those ideas and sort of relentlessly prioritize those. So we say, what are just the top six? You know, We're only going to put six in the next up queue, and those are the six that we're going to focus on. And sometimes that's based on level of difficulty. Sometimes it's based on how upset customers are. There's a number of factors. Um, and then they go in there and hopefully, and this is obviously a key part, um, when the product team has room in their schedule, when they're not working on a big release, they go and they dip into that queue and pull out the next thing they need to work on. And obviously that's that's a Tricky part because it's always hard to find time, um, but you know we do emphasize a really customer-centric, user-centered, user-centric uh, company, and uh, so there is this expectation that people will go in and look for those feature requests and tackle the next one.
0: Nice. So, y- you know, one of the the things that I do love about user voices, you know, you go in and you look at the the kind of the the feedback portal or app. The, the feedback side of your product and you know, it's, it's really easy to go in and, and kind of ask about it. Not, you know, a customer can, can request a feature and then people can upvote and downvote and that kind of thing. But I I've never, like it never felt overwhelming whenever I've seen your product used with companies. There there are some products out there that, you know, the, the feature request kind of side just becomes this bottomless pit of ideas and just kind of gets shoved off. But one of the things with your your products is it's always really clean. It's it's I, I've never seen user voice in a website and thought, man, I feel sorry for this company because it's just it's just going to be horrible because it's just going to become a, a bottomless pit. So that merciful, not not merciful, the the merciless. That was it. <laughs> the uh, the prioritizing there has worked. So keep up with that. <laughs>
1: You, well, and thank you. We we run into the same issue. Um, the votes definitely help, but we actually, uh, and I won't, I don't want to pitch. But uh, we're, oh, it's okay. We're, we can pitch. We can. Pitch. Okay, great. Well, then I'll pitch. <laughs> um, we're as we're long launching. as you
0: do it in a, in a way that helps everybody. So I don't mind. You know, I was talking about this with Adam uh, in the last podcast. I don't. We all use tools. That's that's the point. So if we're going to share them, let's share them and not worry about it coming off as pitchy or anything else. Perfect.
1: Well, so the thing we're working on now, um, which is in early access, which is code for beta, apparently that's the new uh, the new phrase, uh, is called TouchPoint Toolkit, and it was really built because although our system we think and, and thank you you think it is better than the the common idea forum, we still ran into the same problem of the the pit of ideas and not knowing if votes were entirely based on the merit of the idea or just people saying, oh, that sounds OK, or, oh, that was at the top of the list, so I voted for it. And so the, the key part of Touchpoint Toolkit is something called Smart Vote which is basically hot or not for feature requests. Um, so it's a widget. It says, hey, choose one of these two ideas. Which would you rather have? Would you rather have that blue widget or would you rather have um, a better admin console? And people have to choose one of the two. And by doing that and randomizing which ideas we put next to each other, we can actually tell you, hey, Blue Widget wins 75% of the time. No matter what idea we put it against, it still seems to win. So this is an idea that not only people want, but they think is more important than other ideas. Whereas you know, somebody asking for a better admin console, that loses 75% of the time. So people may be interested in that, but it's not crucial to them. And so we're really we're trying to give you that real actionable data that that tells you what do people need and what's gonna you know really move the needle for them. And like I said, you know, still in beta, but uh, so far it, it's pretty exciting seeing the results.
0: So you you keep talking about you know watching the the analytics of something and watching the numbers to see if the needle moves when when customers choose this or choose that. So it, it really sounds like that that analytics and data number side is, is important when it comes to this kind of role. So, uh, what kind of numbers are you, are you watching when it comes to head of community? What, what numbers are you tracking and why those specifically?
1: It's a good question. Um, I, I look at far too many and I revamp my reports <laughs> every like five months cause I'm, I'm trying to get it right. And I, you know, I think everyone feels that way. They, they almost have what they want, but they're not quite there. Um, Obviously, customer satisfaction is uh, is a big one for us um, you know those those numbers are are a little broad painting with a, a broad stroke but they still give you a sense of how people are feeling and when you can associate them with different types of users or different activities that's when it's powerful so uh, the last thing I'll say about Touchpoint is one of the things it allows you to do is segment by groups. So you can pass user data and say, well, what, what do people who um, are on a free plan want versus people who are on a paid plan? And so I do the same thing with my community efforts where uh, when we ask satisfaction, for example, we'll also ask how they've interacted with community department efforts in the last few months. And I'll, I'll hopefully be releasing this data soon. But We've clearly seen that people who interact with us more and have, you know, read our blog and read our newsletter and tweeted with us and, you know, posted ideas on the forums are much more satisfied with the company. Which, you know, is another like you said earlier, another one of those duh moments where you're like, well, of course. Yet there are all these companies who are trying to hide their email address and try to make it as hard as possible for people to contact them. And Meanwhile, I'm sitting here looking at this data saying, oh, I need to talk to more customers. You know, (laughs) I need to encourage them to contact me. And so that's been a huge number, and that's something I'm really excited about because it's a a validation of of what we do. Um, I'll also look at things like share of voice. So, you know, looking at Twitter, uh, what percentage of people are talking about us versus our competitors. Um, I'll look at how many ideas in our forums, how many feature requests we're acting on. Um, and then I'll look at engagement and engagement is just really how much people are interacting with us. Um, so, you know, again, going back to that point that the more they interact with us, the happier they are, I want to look at each month and hopefully see the number of people and touch points, uh, increasing. So I want to see that this month we reached, you know, 20,000 people with this newsletter. Next month it's 22,000. And, you know, 8,000 people reading the blog this month and 10,000 next month and, and just really, you know, um, talk to our customers and, and give them value as much as possible.
0: One of the things you, you mentioned was customer satisfaction. So how do you kind of gauge that? Because, you know, you hear about like the net promoter score running wild rampantly through so many corporations. And I, I think you're on the same page with me on that one that you don't like it um and that whole thing was that was that yours or is that somebody else I was talking to It
1: was me okay. and I but I have a confession um you... <laughs> which is that uh I killed JFK. Uh <laughs> oh no sorry that's the wrong one. Um, wrong one. Wrong confession. The confession is that we we are using um something very similar to Net Promoter in our our new touchpoint toolkit product. Oh man. Oh and it, man. And it makes me sad um we think so the basic thing is we feel that the idea of net promoter score is solid. the idea yeah. of just asking people, you know how likely are you to recommend us because recommendation is a lot more powerful than just not canceling a subscription and so we think that's powerful. What we don't like about net promoter so much is um, that it's a little unclear. you know I don't know am I a eight. You know, um, you have just scale from one to ten on how likely you are to recommend a company. Well. I really like support ops. Am I a 10 or am I maybe like a nine? Cause I don't recommend it to like everyone, but like a lot of people, you know, uh,
0: yeah, you're a 10, you're a solid okay. 10.
1: Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, where, where do I yeah. fall on that scale? Um, and also, you know, you really need to pair that with some other questions. So you get context. A lot of people say, our net promoters, this it's great. And you say, okay, well, what about the people who are in the neutral or negative category? What, why are they that way? And, um, so it, Someday, I hope we can evolve this a little bit. We ended up using it in Touchpoint Toolkit because it is so established, and so many people uh, do use that metric, and we felt like if we tried a new one, people would just say, well, this, I don't know if this tool is for me because they're not using the metric I like. So it was sort of a you know going with the devil you know situation.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those things, you know, all uh, right. Over at Thirty Seven Signals with Basecamp, we get questions all the time about Gantt charts because that kind of tends to be like the old school <laughs> tech way of doing things. Everyone's I've made
1: many Gantt charts.
0: <laughs> Everyone's got one up on a board somewhere, evidently in all these big corporate environments, <laughs> and it's been one of those things where we just had to say no because it, it for us it didn't provide any value, and for a lot of the people that we uh, we talk to, it doesn't provide any value, um, and so it's kind of the project management version of net promoter score. And I just, mm. you know, I've been in a couple of different businesses that all use net promoter. And each time I just wanted to be like, but how do you know if somebody's a five or a six, <laughs> what's the difference? Yeah. What's the real difference there? And I think that's the, my main beef with the whole thing. Um, if it was simplified and I had less choices, like instead of one to five, uh, one to 10, maybe like one to five or, or one to three, something like that. I, I would be better with it. Um,
1: yeah. And, and we wrote about this on the blog and, and we, you know, Touchpoint toolkit is a very I think revolutionary product and we felt like we had hit the top of our revolutionary meter and if we tried to also throw in a new way of measuring <laughs> satisfaction that would be bad so too much hope, yeah we'll we'll t- hopefully tackle that down the line but I'm I'm right there with you
0: Awesome. So the other big thing I wanted to pick your brain about today was uh, a subject that you wrote about recently. Even got into a digital magazine, which, for the record, uh, and I'll put this the link in the show notes. This was the first digital magazine I ever looked at. Nice. Like, like ever. And it was it wasn't that bad. I was pleasantly <laughs> surprised with it. Um, so the the topic was gamification among teams, and it's something that uh, thanks to you, I have gotten more interested in, and and kind of was hoping you know kind of can you shed some light on on what first what gamification is and then what it means when it comes to uh, like your your support team and your customer team that kind of thing
1: sure I I think I like writing about things that make me a little angry (laughs) both the things we're talking about that I've written recently have been about me disliking something Um, (laughs) and and all of your writing is like really great and empathetic and and you write about like really cool things you see and i think like maybe i just i spend too much of my day empathizing with customers and then i want to write really angry things <laughs> you're just
0: the ying to my
1: yang. it's fine <laughs> all right um yeah so gamification uh, the the example probably everyone knows is foursquare um you check in to three bars in a row and it says hey you got the bender badge you're going on a bender." Um, but it's it's been used a million other places, and it certainly didn't originate there. It's, it's just the idea of turning a task that was not a game into a game, or, or giving it game elements. And the problem is that, like every popular thing in any culture, it has become overused, misunderstood, applied to problems that it shouldn't be applied to. And so largely everyone, including myself, is very skeptical of gamification. Um, you know, it's just, we've seen so many bad examples of it and we've, you know, we've seen people being like, Oh, well, you you know, you did some stupid thing that you don't care about and we're giving you a badge. So you should like our product. And it it doesn't make you like a product. And so the, the point I made in this article, um, and I guess there's a physical version of this magazine. So if, if you don't like digital magazines, it exists. Um, is that, Good gamification is about amplifying um, something that the person already cares about. You can't create motivation with gamification. And so many companies are trying to do that. Hey, people don't like our product much, but we're going to give them badges when they do stuff in it, so they'll like it. Well, no, if I don't care about your product, I don't care about getting a badge for having done something I don't care about. You know, if the DMV gave you a badge for, you know, renewing your license, you wouldn't be like, oh, sweet, I got the renewing my li- license badge. It's so <laughs> awesome. You'd say, I don't want your badge. I just want my license. Let me leave this horrible place. Um, and so what what good gamification does, I think, is focus on what's already motivating someone. Um, so in the case of Foursquare, though perhaps it's become somewhat played out, uh, th- their badges are motivating uh sorry, are not motivating are are engaging because it's something I already care about, so I got the jet setter badge the other day because I've been flying around to all of these conferences, and that's what I'm, that made me feel good because, yeah, I have been flying around a ton, and like I'm proud that i like I've had all these opportunities to go to these events and and do these things, and so yeah, I deserve that, you know or if you love national parks and you check in at all these national parks, and it says, "Hey, you're you're an explorer," I mean, that's something you already care about. So it's just saying, "Hey, you're really good at the thing you care about." And and I I think that's you know gamification is really powerful when you do that. So you have to look at your your product or, or or your community and say, "What are what do they already care about, and how can we reward them even more for that?" So we did this in our product. Um, the, the other half of user voice is this uh, support help desk. And as we all know, as your readers and listeners definitely know, support can be a hard job. you know you're, you're dealing with frustrated people and you're solving problems all day, and often you don't get noticed by the rest of the company unless you screw up. You know you answer a hundred tickets in a day, and nobody really knows. But then maybe like one person gets really angry and emails the CEO and then you get yelled at. So we looked at, you know, what, what motivates customer support people. And for the, the great customer support people, I think the kind of people who, who read your, your blog and and listen to your podcast, who are not just doing it for a paycheck, it is that you're helping people. You're, you're making people happy. You're solving their problems. And, so, we designed some gamification in our help desk around highlighting that. Um, so, you do get points for answering tickets, but anyone can answer a ticket. You know, Oscar the Grouch could answer a support <laughs> ticket. Doesn't mean it's going to be a good response. So, you get one point for that. Um, if you respond within an hour, which we have research that shows that within an hour makes people uh, markedly happier you get three points. But then we have one final element, which is kudos. So when you answer a a support ticket, the customer gets your reply, and they have a little option to just, hey, thank this support agent by giving them kudos. They click it, and they've given you kudos. So if you get a kudos, you get 15 points. Which is a lot more than, you know, just replying or replying quickly. Generous for those. Wow. <laughs> because if someone's giving you kudos, you've obviously really made them happy. You've mm-hmm. really solved their problem. And that is incredibly motivating for support employees because it doesn't say, hey, you answered fifty tickets today. Congrats. You are capable of typing and clicking send. You know, they don't that's not very motivating. What it says is you've made You know five people today happy enough that they clicked this link that they didn't have to and they said thank you and So to be at the top of you know our leaderboard seeing that oh, man I got more kudos than the head of support or I got more kudos than my coworker because I made people happier that's playing on what already is motivating these people and not trying to make them feel special because they answered 13 tickets on the 13th day of the month, and hey, you get the 13 badge because we <laughs> are trying to motivate you, but instead, you made people happy. Good job. So, we're
0: going to play devil's advocate for just a second. Um, so, you, you've got these points that are accumulating, and you mentioned having a leaderboard. Is it, do you see the same people at the top of the leaderboard every day? Um, because I could, I would imagine that if that's the case, well let me back. Up. I've been in companies where that's the case. And those that weren't, say, like the top five finally just gave up and said, we're never going to get there. And it doesn't matter anymore. Right. So ha- have you seen that happen? Or is it really? How, how do you deal with that?
1: I, it, it's definitely a worry. Um, the nice thing is that support agents generally do want to Uh, support each other no pun intended um so they they do want to celebrate when the other person does well but we've done a couple things like the the default setting i believe is um your rating for the week Mm -hmm. rather than like month or all time because when you're looking at a larger period of time there's going to be a clear winner and you know it's going to be hard to beat them but in a week's time you know somebody might do a really great job one day or somebody might you know work on documentation one day and fall behind. And so you see some changes. We also, the last thing we do is we highlight both numbers and percentages. And so that allows you for a little bit of like argumentative wiggle room where you're like, well, whatever, you got more kudos this week, but I got a higher kudos percentage. You know, more people that I helped said I did a good job. So we certainly don't recommend, you know, using this as your primary reporting. Um, We have other reporting for that, but (laughs) we've tried to make it as much as sort of friendly, thing where it's not too serious and and hopefully people get highlighted for you know something like good percentages even if they're not at the top of the board
0: cool so one of the ways we kind of like to to wrap up the show is uh, talking about some of the best uh, experiences we've had so tell me about the best customer service customer support experience you had where you were the customer and, and so you were on the receiving end of that
1: I was thinking about this earlier and it's a tough question I know it's tough. I'm going to kind of cop out, um, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll still give you a story, okay. which is the the bright, one bright shining spot in a terrible experience. Um, so I recently went to Austin for South by Southwest Music because I'm a musician. Uh, so I went to, you know, check out the music and I played on the street a little bit. And I was coming back. Um, I had a flight at 8 a.m., which meant I got up at 5 a.m. because I'm the guy who gets to the airport really early. And... Literally, like, two minutes after waking up, I was really confused. I got a phone call. And it was Delta saying, your flight, an automated Delta call, mind Mm -hmm. you, saying your flight has been delayed by an hour, which means you will miss your connecting flight in Salt Lake City. Your new connecting flight is six hours later than your initial (laughs) connecting flight. Wow. So instead of, you know, leaving early and getting home on a Sunday after being gone for a week around noon, you know, having time to do some dishes, you know, laundry, that sort of thing, like relax. I was going to get in at, you know, 6 p.m. and and not have much time for that and have to sit in Salt Lake City for six hours. So it's an automated call. You know, there's a number, but like there are people sleeping in the house. Like it's 5 a.m. I don't want to like call them. So I just I go to the airport. And it's crazy at the airport, and uh, they don't allow you to get your tickets from an agent. You have to use an automated terminal. I use the automated terminal. It says that I can switch my flight, but then says, error, cannot switch your flight. I wait in the line to talk to someone. They say, oh, no, this is the wrong line. You want to be in the special services line, (laughs) because that's the clearest line title ever. I get through the special services line, and they basically say, oh, you're screwed.
0: Oh, Do you get an I'm screwed badge? Like, they give that (laughs) out?
1: Yeah, yeah. They they gave me a badge, you're screwed, and the flight delayed badge, um, but it didn't help. Um, So, you know, I go to the gate, and I'm just, I've kind of given up at this point, and I'm pissed off, and I don't know what to do. And I go to talk to the gate agent um, just to kind of check in on, on the situation, if anything's changed. And the gate agent, I mean, he's got a tough job. He's sitting there having to go on the microphone every five minutes and remind people that their flight's delayed, you know, and people are upset with him. But he says, well, let me look at your your flight. And he pulls it up on the computer, and he says, well, here's the thing. With the delay, you're going to be landing really close to when your connecting flight, your original one is leaving. But it's possible if they make up some time in the air, which they do sometimes, that you could make it. Now, if you don't make it, we have this one six hours later, but there's also one you might be able to get on three hours later, which isn't as bad. So you have three possible options depending on how the timing works out. I'm gonna print these all out on one piece of paper for you and give that to you just so you have that as reference. And so what nobody else in the system did is care. You know, They said, oh, well, flight's delayed, you're screwed. This guy took the time, realized that this sucked for me, looked at my schedule and made the tiniest of insights. It's not like he did anything complex. He just saw, oh, well, you're delayed an hour, which means you have like five minutes to get to your plane, but if you make up time in the air, you can make it. And took the 30 seconds it took, because they already have this set up, to print out all of these flight options for me and gave it to me. And because of him, not because of anybody else at Delta, I was able to land, sprint carrying two bags and a guitar on my back and barely make it to my original connecting flight. And I made it home on time. Yay! So, kudos
0: to him. If, if, if there was a kudos link, I would click it for him.
1: Exactly. So, you know, I'm never going to fly Delta again, but if I ever see that guy again, I'll be like, you're amazing, <laughs> can I hire you? <laughs> um, you know, so it, one person does have the power to, to you know change things.
0: Nice. And, and so final question, final, final question, whatever we're going to call this, you you keep bringing up this music. What's, what's the music side to you outside of the the user voice head of community side?
1: Um, well, I've been playing music since I was in high school. Um, and really music is why I'm here because I had the band. I knew how to edit my MySpace page. And so
0: <laughs> full circle right there. Right. There's the circle. <laughs>
1: um, so yeah, I, I play, uh, Americana music as a kicking tuesday and uh, you can find me online and I, I like to play now and now and again out and about
0: nice so kicking tuesday dot what dot com dot com yeah. dot com check him out so that's a wrap for the show you can uh talk with evan more over on twitter where he's at uh evan hamilton thanks for uh thanks
1: for being here man yeah, thanks so much for having me, and keep up the awesome work. I, I love the site.
0: It's fun. It's fun. So, uh, a big thanks to Chase Livingston, our podcast producer. And as always, let me know what you thought of this episode. Talk with me on Twitter. The handle is at supportops. Shoot me an email. Show at supportops.co, or you can just drop by the site. You can go to supportops.co forward slash message and actually leave a message for the next podcast show. You get to be on it. It's kind of cool. I'm Chase, and until we meet again, have an awesome week.